The best job in the Galactic Federation, thank you for asking, is Santa Claus. That dude got the sweetest gig. He gets to work one night a year. The other 365, how many days is he? Four, 364. You guys do time so weird. He's just smoking weed and playing his Nintendo Switch with a bunch of cool-ass elves. Getting letters from cute-ass kids. Written in crayon and shit. You want to know my letters? Listen to this. I had a letter from Nadine in Michigan. Wants to know... Wants to know if the synchronistic 1111 date stamp on the restraining order her twin flame got against her is a sign that they're going to enter into union. <sighs> this episode's about love. does not mean that you guys are going to end up in union. You are going to end up in union with the justice system. Leave this poor person alone. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. My name is Jessa. I am an eight-dimensional galactic 
ambassador to the third dimension. I am using a comedian's avatar to communicate these things to you. It's obviously a joke. The twin flame ascension template, huge mistake, huge mistake. Please know we regret it. We regret doing it. Uh, Twin flame is a person who is carrying a spark of you. Picture it like your higher self playing multiple avatars. The twin flame is one of your higher selves, other avatars. Were they born and will die? One of your other avatars, who cares? It's a very complicated system, too much to explain right now. But the thing that you fall in love with in the twin flame connection, and yes, that connection is real, and no, nobody understands it unless they've been through it. The thing you are in love with is yourself. It is the spark of yourself. Write down the favorite things. This is a cheat sheet. You want to get in and out of twin flame school slash prison? Here's how you do it before you go to regular prison. Nadine, write down your favorite things about the twin. Those are your qualities. Boom. Just skip to the end here. Write down the things you like the least about your twin. Also your qualities. The sex. Oh, my God. The se- I'm never going to feel that way again. No, you're not. Because you're it, a piece of you is in that person for as long as you're in this process. Maybe forever. Who cares? Imagine you could get into a different avatar and fuck yourself. Of course, it was amazing. Of course it is. Who could possibly fuck you better than yourself? We have a deep soul connection. Yeah, you also have a deep soul connection with everyone who's ever fucked you over. The soul connection does not justify circling this trauma bond until you end up on probation. I didn't want to get to the twin flame till the end, but I guess I should start here. Listen, be very suspicious of anybody who's making money off of telling you you're going to end up in union. The sensation that you're going to end up together is because it's you. You are going to end up together. If this process with this person is tumultuous and constant transformation, good. If you've died a thousand times in their arms or looking at their pictures on Instagram, that's the purpose of it. So that you don't have to go live through 40 more lives to figure your shit out. It's an accelerator. It's a catalyzer. It is not going to be your long-term partner, most likely. I know you all know someone who knows someone. You know you can give up on something and move on with your life. And if it's supposed to come back to you, it will come back to you. I, I'm not throwing shade at the people who make money. I am throwing sh- I don't know why I tried to pretend I wasn't. Listen, but there's a couple of things happening. It could be a good person. They're just projecting their own twin flame union onto you. That's why most people get into the twin flame thing. Other people, straight up cult leaders. Straight up fucking cult leaders making bank off of your vulnerability. If you've never had a twin flame union, you're welcome. You're welcome that we didn't sign you up for that nightmare. Don't be out looking for your twin flame. You don't want that shit. Anywho, that was going to be the last thing we talked about. God, we're going to talk about love. This is one of, one of the weirdest, weirdest things about Earth right now. This game, coming out of this age of Pisces. What you define as love, so strange. Strange. You're all obsessed with this idea of commitment. In the higher dimensions, we define commitment as a commitment to be yourself 
to be your true authentic frequency and to allow your partner at the time to express their true authentic frequency in whatever way it ebbs and flows and grows and evolves. That's what commitment is. On earth, in this culture, you all define commitment. You meet someone, you go, oh, hey, I I like chicken wings. They like chicken wings. It's perfect. And then you attach some idea about being rescued from all of your trauma to this person. A lot of times you ignore a whole lot of red flags, but even if it's a great relationship, it's a great relationship that has unconditional love adjacent qualities. What you all do with it is throw a party, a party with a cake that's, you know, got too much frosting, all your friends and family, and then they witness you sign a contract that can only be ended by death. And then everyone goes, oh my God, that's so sweet. They said, till death do you part. That's insane. That's insane. What are you guys, what? First of all, you can't say that. You cannot say as an authentic being, you cannot authentically promise to love someone forever. You can unconditionally love them. Unconditionally love means that you say, hey, I love you exactly as you are. I recognize that you have your own trauma and flaws and processes and that as we go through this process together, we're both going to die and be reborn. And at some point, we're maybe not going to be each other's cup of tea. At some point, you might turn into like a shirtless TikTok dad. You might go through a midlife crisis and start making TikToks of yourself doing weird dances without your shirt on. And I might want to get off the train at that point. That might not, that might not be in line with my, my midlife crisis. I'm drinking wine and doing paint nights with my friends. You know, we're at one of those places where you drink wine and make bad art. Maybe we're not each other's... This actually, I'm describing like a couple that's perfect for each other. You can't possibly say when you're 25 that you're definitely going to love someone when they're 40. You don't know who that person is yet. 25 version of this person, 40, they're two completely different people. There's probably five people in between. Love is not promising something that you can't promise. That's fear. That's, a, that's trouble with your own vulnerability. Now, so, for some of you, it's just a burning desire for the attention at the party you spent way too much money on. Some of you, it's that. A lot of you, it's trying to secure a future so that you don't have to deal with vulnerability. True vulnerability is, I'm going to let you see all of me today and you might leave tomorrow. True commitment is like, I commit to letting you be yourself, even if it means that you have to grow in a direction away from me. What a fucking commitment that is. What a commitment to love it is to say, I love you so much that if it's in your best interest to grow away from me, I'm going to let you do that without villainizing you, without manipulating you, without trying to stop your growth without convincing you you're bad. What a fucking commitment that is. And guess what? That commitment costs no money. (laughs) You guys, you're like, listen, 
we love each other so much, we are going to sign this binding contract in front of all of our friends and family while you gift us with toaster ovens and Instapots. And then when shit gets weird in four years, you just got to swing by. You just got to swing. I like unconditionally love you real quick. Swing by the courthouse, spend your retirement uh, and three years getting out of this thing. Oh, isn't love grand? Love is beautiful. You guys are weird here. It's fucking weird. You know how we do it in the higher dimensions? It's like, hey, you're my favorite. Want to hang out while we're still each other's favorite? And then it goes, it runs a course. And you see it running the course. You see it turning the bend. And you go, hey, this is turning the bend. We're about to hop off here. Do you want to add a third? Or do you want to just hop off here? And then you hop off. And you're friends forever. And everything's fine. If you have kids together, it's fine. The things you're doing, the entanglements you're doing, you're re-traumatizing yourself by trying to get love to fix your trauma. A bunch of you, that's the married. And listen, a lot of you are good at unconditional love. You just naturally, your parents somehow figured out how to, how to love you correctly or something. You're just wired different. It's easy for you. Some of this isn't going to be for you. Okay, you get to pat yourself on the back during this episode. Most of you, this is for you. Most of you going to the awakening right now, there's a huge wave of codependency clearing happening right now. So this is why we're talking about this. Codependency is defined as the old love paradigm. Okay, the old love paradigm, fuck rom-coms. Man, did rom-coms convince y'all of some bullshit. This is not how love works. If the dude ditched you when you got too close once, he's probably going to ditch you again. And by dude, I mean anyone. Okay? So people don't, don't change who they are. Rom-coms got you all to, like, believe that, that someone else's capacity for intimacy is somehow connected to your worth. You can't just be worthy enough to... That, that's someone else's shit for them to figure out. And maybe they just are not that into you, which is also fine and has nothing to do with your worth. It probably... The person you want so bad that doesn't want you back has a lot more to do with the fact that you don't want love. You don't want intimacy. You're all... T- all of you, except for the few happy people that are probably not listening to this podcast, terrified of, of intimacy humans in general terrified of intimacy the reason that you're trying to get a thousand year commitment out of anyone you give your heart to is because you're afraid of intimacy you're trying to feel secure in something that is supposed to break you open we refer to some people with insecure attachment as avoidance go read the book attached do yourself a favor here's the blueprint to how people work Some of them are avoidance. We give avoidance so much shit. Avoidance tend to desire intimacy, so they seek it. And then as soon as they get it, someone being too close to them freaks them out, so they recoil. The behavior changes, so they say one thing at the beginning, and then they become something else. We love to shit on them. Those pieces of shit and their piece of shit trauma from being a toddler realizing that their parents aren't going to come get them out of the crib. So they decide that it's just them, just them forever. So when people get close to them, they get proximity. The avoidance recoil. 
They run. They create distance. Those assholes and their trauma. On the other side of the coin, the exact same coin, by the way, anxious preoccupied. These are the clingers. The clingers. Those fucking assholes. Those assholes that seem really cool when you first meet them. And then their dumb childhood trauma shows up. Same thing, scared of proximity. Only when someone gets close to them, the only thing that makes them feel better is more closeness. So the distance from the avoidance triggers the anxious preoccupied into one in closeness, and then these two people feel like they're victims to each other. But in reality, why are you trying to get... This is what, this is what people who are like, I just want love, but I keep getting all these clingy people, or I just want love, and I keep getting all these avoidant people. Let me ask you this. If you went to a McDonald's and said, here, here's $5, I would like one Whopper. And the person's like, well, it's a McDonald's. And you go, okay, but uh, I came here for a Whopper. I just want a Whopper. Why can't I have a Whopper? Why do all my friends have Whoppers, but I can't have a Whopper? And the McDonald's person is like, uh, I, maybe because this is a McDonald's. And it's like, I, I deserve... A whopper. I deserve a whopper. I'm whopperable. I deserve this. It's like, yeah, nobody's saying you don't deserve it, but you're like literally at a McDonald's, ma'am. Like we have Big Macs. I can give you a Big Mac. And then you have a decision to make. You're like, well, I'm at a restaurant not capable of giving me a whopper. For some reason, I came to McDonald's to get a whopper. I like the big onions, but for some reason, I came to the place that does that weird chopped up onion mash thing. Now they've offered me a Big Mac. I can either take the Big Mac because I'm so terrified of having nothing and not being inside of a fast food restaurant. So I take the Big Mac and don't say shit and just quietly, quietly think about how the fact that I got a Big Mac instead of a Whopper is actually a lesson. It's a lesson for me about how I'm not worth a Whopper and how that Whopper shit only works for my friends, but I suck. And so this is why I'm getting a Big Mac. I could take it and throw it in the person's face and tell them they're a narcissist. They're selfish for not giving me a Whopper. You get knocked out if you do that, by the way. Don't fuck around at a McDonald's. Or... You could go to Burger King where they sell Whoppers. And if you went to, if you were at the McDonald's and they're like, we only have the Big Mac, you could go, okay, well, that sucks because for some whatever reason, I have convinced myself that I really want a Whopper from a McDonald's. But I believe you when you're showing me what you're capable of, I believe you. And because I truly want a Whopper, I'm going to walk my ass over across the street to Burger King because they're almost always on the same block. If you insist on staying at the fucking McDonald's to get a Whopper, you might not want a Whopper. The riddle, the solution to this riddle might just be that you think you want a Whopper, but you actually just want to want a Whopper. Maybe you're afraid of what it will be like to have a Whopper. Maybe you're afraid that you're not worthy of it. So you'd rather stand in this McDonald's and make it about some other shit. You'd rather project it onto this poor McDonald's employee rather than face the fact that, like, at some point in life you got the impression that that Whoppers are for other people and not for you. 
a lot of people kicking and screaming in McDonald's that I just want a Whopper. And it's like, well, you're not trying. You're not at Burger King. Why are you trying to get it from McDonald's? It can't give it to you. It showed you. Now, sometimes you meet a shady McDonald's employee that says, I got Whoppers over here. And you go there and they don't have Whoppers. They have Big Macs. And you go, fool me once. Fool me twice. Fool me 350 times if you've been a twin flame. But at some point, you have to take responsibility and examine yourself why you're trying to get a Whopper from a McDonald's. This is not victim blame. This is like an opportunity here for you to solve this riddle. You're all fucking terrified of intimacy. And part of the reason that you're terrified of intimacy is because you don't know the difference between guilt and love here. Everyone does. A lot of people do this. You ever made a passive-aggressive comment to a friend or family member or partner to make them feel bad about not being there for you, not answering your texts? You see them returning someone else's text, you get triggered. You go, oh, I see you answer their texts. And you elicit a little moment of guilt from them. Ever said something to your partner to make them jealous? You're trying to pull negative fear-based emotions out of them. You're trying to make them feel afraid or bad about themselves. And you're registering that as love. That's fine. You were taught a lot of that in childhood. But that's taking energy. That's taking a little swipe out of someone else's energy. It's very important for you all to learn where your lane is where your bubble of energy is and what of that energy you owe to other people and what they owe to you. This is in your best interest. This is so that you can experience a powerful, unconditional love. Taking responsibility for yourself. Your parents do this shit to you, I'm sure. You ever you get your mom be like, uh, you don't call me enough. That's guilt. Guilt, yuck. That's not what love is. Grody. I'm going to talk about the paradox of selfishness right now. Paradox of selfishness is going to come up in a lot of these episodes. Some people use just crazy amounts of selfishness and justify it as spirituality without any real explanation. But spirituality is a lot more selfish than you would expect. At least right now it is. Here's why. Because the entire society is built on guilt and obligation. Your entire idea of what love is, is built on you should be. You should be doing this. You should want to do this. Can you, is there anything more insane than the statement, you should want to? How the fuck? What does that mean? I should want to. How do, how do you propose I change what I want to do? I should be wired completely different. I should have had a different set of life circumstances. You should want is a statement almost always exclusively from someone projecting onto you. So what we do is we all are living some version of obligation to what other people want us to do while also making them feel obligated to do stuff for us. You all have to get out of this. You have to get out of this. We are trying to move you idiots into an unconditional, 
co-creation game where everyone consciously brings their attention to the table and consciously uses their power to consciously create something that works for everybody. You cannot do this from a place of constant judgment of yourself and what other people want. How idiotic. Focus what you want. Do whatever the fuck it is that you want. Learn how to express that with your words. Use your throat chakra. Speak up for yourself. Set boundaries. And stay in your lane. Figure out where your lane is and plant yourself in it. Get out of everyone else's energy. Stop taking swipes and chunks out of people you care about. You should want. You should want to shut the fuck up. Honestly, you should want. That's your own wounding. If you want to accuse someone of not wanting to hang out with you or what, you should want to hang out with me. Don't. That's your shit. That's your shit. That's not anybody else's shit. Have some goddamn compassion for each other also. Is that we all walk around with our own wounding and our own programming and want everyone to make space for that. But then we want to point the finger when we get triggered at other people. My avatar has crippling social anxiety and can't handle more than small bursts around people. On some days, no bursts. And around family or friends for long stretches of time, my avatar just starts looking at, at her phone. She's not even looking at anything. She's just like staring at the, the screen because looking at your phone is an acceptable way to check out. If this society was higher dimensional, my avatar would be able to say, I'm overwhelmed by all of this communication and I have to go take a walk by myself. But here in this society, everyone then would attach their own trauma to that and go, oh, this avatar doesn't like me. I'm bad. I'm unwanted. So my avatar looks at her phone and then someone else says some critical remark about her looking at her phone. We all do this. We all criticize people for what we perceive to be them not caring about us. That's our programming. Stop guilting each other. Goddamn. Boundaries. Set some goddamn boundaries. Be honest about your boundaries. Remember, boundaries are what you are willing to do and not do. They are not, boundaries are not saying you need to do this. You're not telling someone else what to do. Unconditional love, when you, when you complete it, kind of boring. Some of you are addicted to the brain chemical dump of the back and forth. Oh, man, I'm at McDonald's. This fucking dude won't give me a Whopper. When I ask for a Whopper, I ask to speak to the manager. They still offer me the onion smash, Big Mac. Lots of people addicted to the drama. You're addicted to the back and forth. A lot of people who are afraid of intimacy, more comfortable in the breakup makeup cycle because no intimacy there. You don't have to worry about it. You can have small bursts of intimacy knowing the safety of this, this house burning to the fucking ground. Go into the McDonald's, won't give you the Whopper, freak out, protest, throw a table, leave, come back the next day in a fantasy that somehow you're going to manage to get a Whopper at McDonald's. Most of you aren't even having relationships with real people. You're having relationships with fantasy versions of the people before you. A lot of, lot of sessions. By the way, I love doing anything about love. My favorite sessions. A lot of times people apologize for them being too 3D. They're my favorite sessions because I get to just yell this whole time. 
lot of, lot of people like I, if they would just, if my partner would just, then I would be blah, blah, blah. Nope. You want to know whether or not you want to be in this relationship. If this person that you are currently with is the current version of themselves forever, do you want to be in this relationship? Now, they're not going to be that current version forever, but people will spend a decade beating their head against the wall of wanting this partner to be some, uh, well, in the beginning, yeah, if I made you draw me a map of in the beginning, this is two months, two months of the re- this decade-long relationship, it was good, I want to get back to that. Well, that was fantasy. It's a honeymoon phase. What do you got now? Is that your fantasy about the other person who probably also has a fantasy about you is not their responsibility to live up to your fantasy version. Is this version good enough? Then if not, then fucking move the fuck on. It's also like sounds pro selfishness. And the thing is, you're not having fun. Those of you trapped in all these cycles of fantasy bonds and trauma bonds, you're not having a good time. And you're taking it to mean something about what you deserve or what the universe can give you and how come other people have this. And it's like, no, you're just trying to figure something out. You're in a different maze than you think you're in. If you wanted a life partner, would you be trying to get that from this person? If you honestly wanted that, would you be trying to get it from the people you're trying to get it from? The fact that you have a list of things that if they changed, it would be good for you. Like, that's your problem. If they have that about you, that's their problem. Unconditional love partnerships, interdependent partnerships, kind of boring. Because you're responsible for all your own shit. You're responsible for speaking up when you need space. You're responsible for acknowledging your feelings and whether or not those feelings are connected to past pain. A lot of this is just the desire to control the environment. We want to we control another person because we're afraid of intimacy. We want to tell them what to do and how to do it and where to be. We want to tell them what their love language should be. It's their language. Their love language is whatever their language is. You can let them know what yours is and they can pick that up off the table and use it if they want to. Things, things affect relationships to understand that if you criticize, you can criticize someone with a high sex drive for not having enough sex with you and they'll have a, it'll lower their sex drive. Things get inside of people's heads. Why do you want to make the people you love feel bad? It drives a wedge. You're like, why are you being distant? Well, it was because I was sad that my dad started doing shirtless TikToks. But now you've made me feel like I'm deficient because I've done it. And now there's a weird wedge between us. There are things you should normalize here on earth that would make things go much smoother for you. Not everyone has space for stuff, especially going into this next year. People are working through their own shit. They don't have space for your shit a lot. That doesn't mean they don't love you. That doesn't mean you're not worthy. doesn't mean they're bad. They're just on their own shit. You can say, hey, I, I liked it when we hung out. Or do you have space for that when we spent more time together? Not, it used to be great and now you suck. Like, what the fuck? Who's that for? What's that going to fix? You ever had anybody talk to you like that? You ever had somebody accuse you of being bad? These things work two ways. People get so caught up in their drama, they then fling their trauma 
I meant to say trauma, but whatever. At the other person as if that person doesn't have trauma. When you tell somebody who's avoidant, which is just the other side of your trauma coin, if you're anxious, you don't love me enough, you don't show it, you're telling them they don't know how to love, which are, if they're avoidant, they're already afraid of that. Normalize having conversations about your needs and normalize hearing your partner without projecting your fear of unworthiness. Avoidant people normalize saying, I need space. As for as long as you need space, be open to have that conversation. Hey, I love you very much. I want to go be by myself. It doesn't have anything to do with you. Avoidant people have to be, introverts have to be alone to reset. Understand also that people on the other side of that coin need closeness to reset. Sometimes you're both going to need to reset at the same time. Work together in times where you're not triggered to figure that out. But if every single time your partner needs closeness, you write a movie about them being clingy and insecure, or every time your partner needs distance, you write a movie about them being, you know, your parent that abandoned you, you're never going to get anywhere. Divorce court. I hope you didn't get married. Y'all convince yourself of a bunch of stuff that isn't true. You give things because you want to give them, and then you use them as an indictment against the other person that they didn't do the same. You gave it because you wanted to give it. My avatar loves to avoid her own problems by working on other people's problems just because she just does that. It's not really a sacrifice when my avatar does it because that's how she avoids her own shit. So for my avatar to be like, I always help you with your shit and you don't help me with yours isn't really fair. But also, why are we doing this? Why, why, why is there an indictment against someone you love? Why are we trying to make people we love feel deficient. It doesn't make sense if what we want is love and intimacy. Normalize consent in conversations. This is great with friends, family. Hey, do you have space? Especially if you're going to come trauma bomb someone, which my avatar uh, does quite a bit. If you're going to come drop a big complaint You ever just been in a great mood and then your friend just shows up just complaining about shit and it's like, well, I was having a good day. Wouldn't it be nice if we normalized the change in the vibe? You know, if you're going to walk into a room and the room's on like a calm vibe, normalize like asking permission before turning it into frantic energy, normalize bringing your shit to the plate of somebody. You don't know where they're at. You don't know what they're going through. Hey, you got space to talk about this? That's how the higher dimensions do it. Normalize seeing distance as an opportunity to soothe yourself, reparent yourself, rather than an affront and evidence that you are hated and unwanted. Normalize breaking up, my God. Relationships on earth right now are designed to help you grow, to have a mirror close to you. They cannot rescue you. We are not offering support for the codependent template. If you try to have a codependent relationship, it is not going to go well for you at this point. You are alone when you are in an interdependent relationship. Your partner does not exist to bail you out. Your partner does not exist to complete you. Your partner is their own autonomous being with their own struggles and their own traumas and their own things that they're here to accomplish. And the same with you. 
and you get to fuck them. You get to fuck them and you get to talk to them when they're available to talk to you. And you get to hang out when you both want to do the same thing. And maybe you have five of these in your life for different chapters of your life. Maybe you have one. You don't have to decide that on year one, whether or not. You'll know in year 20, 40, that's, that's someone you're going you're gonna to stay with. Forever. You don't have to figure that all out. You don't have to try to secure it. None of that's going to make you feel secure anymore. You're being pushed towards a more authentic version of yourself. Stop making the people close to you feel like shit. Stop trying to get things from people they can't give you. That partner you're still thinking about, you loved them so much and they didn't love you back and now they're with this fucking idiot. But here's the thing, that doesn't have anything to do with your worth. And the thing that you're cycling is a, a belief, a fear that it does have to do with your worth. But we were perfect together. Maybe, maybe perfect for you Chemistry is a bitch. Connection is a bitch. A lot of times you feel connection to people because you've shared 20 lives with them. If it was a twin flame, that relationship is endlessly transformative, which means you die and are born again over and over and over again. And you might think that's fun, but the other person might just want a normal, lame-ass life. Nothing has to exist forever so that you can prove to yourself that you are wanted or good. For more information on this bullshit, Soberish Podcast, Interdependence Bill of Rights, How Do We Interdependence, Out of Boundaries, talks about attachment systems, anything that says interdependence in the title. More information. Uh, there is an option to get a um, codependency hacking on the website whenever I have them open. Jessareed.com. Starting January 1st, there's an extra tier on the Patreon. Jessareed.com, you can find the Patreon. That's paid content. $5 tier, two episodes a month. $7 tier, four episodes a month. $10 tier, weekly live streams, uh, energy updates. They got little readings hang out with the crew, usually Saturday nights. $20 tier, all of that, plus live streams about that week's episode. Really good for people who want a more interactive experience with their podcast. Who would want to interact with this? I have no idea. JustRead.com, you can also get merch, uh, see really old pictures, see my tour dates that don't exist because comedy died in 2020. Good luck. I love you guys. Unconditionally love you guys. <laughs>